with a great tip on the short side. The pass from Zaitsev. Tierney out to Bobby Ryan, short side, far down, and then Brady Kachuk puts it on a tee for him as he slides it into the open net. Didn't need the Gordie Howe hat trick, he just went out and got the real hat trick, and they're still standing for number nine. We have word that Dave Ayers, 42 years of age, emergency support goaltender, will be forced into service here for the Hurricanes. And here he comes, number 90 for the Carolina Hurricanes is Dave Ayers. Yesterday, the Golden Knights made waves throughout the NHL when they acquired Blackhawks goalie Robin Lehner at the trade deadline, forming one of the most compelling goaltender tandems in the league, paired with Marc-Andre Fleury. All right. Well, welcome back to our new podcast. Uh, this is episode three in our first season. You know, we started late on the first of the year this year. So I'm with my buddy Lucas. Uh, he's my host. Actually, pretty much the quarterback of this whole show. <laughs> I'm just here. So how you doing, Mr. Lucas? I am good. How are you? We are going to get our, like you said, our third show. So now we've got a little bit of a rhythm. We have... Seen a lot of interesting things in the NHL, even just in the three shows and the three months that we've been doing it. So it's been worth it to be back. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in February. You know, the trade deadline and uh, some emergency goalie wins and um, a firing. A head coach got fired once again. Jeez, that is a quarter of the coaches e in the NHL, by the way. We'll see more. Season's not done. So uh, first, we're going to make you go through the suffering of sponsorship. I would like to sponsor a few people. First one is Half Load Podcast. Uh, you can look them up at Half Load on Facebook or look up their podcast, which is Half Oated, which is Half Loaded. It's spelled 1 backslash 2 O-A-D. On, it's on um, Apple, Spotify, uh, pretty much any major podcast uh, platform. Also, second one is a shout-out to a good friend of mine from the military, uh, Gerald Bolt, Gerald Bolt Music. Um, you can look him up online. Uh, he comes usually first on the uh, search engine, and he's on Facebook. And then my uh, dad's company, if you have any military or sporting events that you need to uh, do honor, honor guard to present colors, it's dupagehonorguard.com or dupagehonorguard.org. Either one, you can get a hold. Uh, they do pretty much any events from funerals to sporting events to uh, you name it. They can probably do something for it. Well, so. it was great. We got to talk to your dad a little bit before we came down here and started. Yeah. And I know he's really excited that he's going to get to do the White Sox game this year in June. So, I mean, that's... A sign when you're working with professional sports organizations, pretty good sign it's a legit organization and really knows what they're doing. And they are reputable. They did work with the Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears, uh, Chicago Sky. Professional Bull Riding and Monster Jam are their big headliners. And they do the Chicago Bandits, which is pretty popular now. So, yeah. They're definitely a good company, so definitely look into it if you need anyone to present our freedom colors, I like to call it. So we're going to jump into, I don't know, maybe trade that line, or you want to go with emergency goalie first? 
Well, let's talk about the uh, goalie because that's just such an unusual story, I think. And there's a, a couple ways that we can spin that story off. First of all, he beat Toronto playing for Carolina and used the Toronto Maple Leafs Zamboni driver. It's just priceless. It's actually pretty cool. And I know there's some haters out there about it because of how this was a very important game for both teams and how this could determine a playoff spot possibly at the end. But I'm not going to hate on it. I think it was a good thing. I think it's, you know, it was cool to watch. I mean, hell, he's the first emergency goalie to ever win an NHL game. Well, that's right. I think for people that a lot of our audience probably is familiar with the situation in Chicago a couple of years ago with uh, Scott Foster came in and was emergency goalie for the Blackhawks. Uh, he, David Ayers played double the amount of time that Foster did and was really credible in that time. I mean, you have to give some credit to the Carolina defense buckling down and not giving Toronto unlimited opportunities to beat the goalie, but to only give up a couple of goals against a really talented offensive group of players, great job and got to be the thrill of a lifetime for David Ayers. Oh, of course. And honestly, you know, he had his own jersey. He made some proceeds off of it. Um, You know, it's probably a one-in-a-lifetime thing that's ever going to happen to him. Very rare does this ever happen. He's getting a trading card as well. Yeah, right? Freaking lucky bastard. <laughs> Sorry for all any kids who mm. listen to this, but uh, you'll learn those words one you day. You will. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know what? I'm not going to hate on it. Uh, do I kind of agree with some of the professionals on, you know, how this can impact a playoff position? Yeah, because th- that's pretty important in the NHL. Definitely when you're in February, March, and definitely April for those last few games. But at the same time, he played his his heart out, his ass off, and uh, Carolina knew what they were in, and, and it was a good – it was good. I think it was good for the sport. You don't see this in any other sport. Well, in a league with salary caps and things like that, there's only so much you can do if you have a couple goalies go down. You're going to have a – situation where you're either going to have a position player go in there and try to play and I don't think you want to do that so that's why I think you're just going to have to have something wacky like this happen Uh, you did also mention and I tried to think about it this is what I've been trying to think about since it happened what's the most comparable thing to this in another sport and being a sports historian I could only think of one thing it wasn't a professional sport but if you follow college football, uh, the story of the 12th man at Texas A&M is the closest thing to it. That's and, the crowd, right? Well, so now it's the crowd, but what it originates from is in the 1920s, uh, Texas A&M was playing a game against a, a team that was better than them, and they were getting killed, and all their running backs were getting injured. They had a guy that was a walk-on that wasn't going to play at all sitting up in their press box watching the game. And the coach at halftime told him to come down, get dressed, and get in uniform. Now that young man that came down and got dressed for the game didn't participate much in that game, whereas Ayers had a really legitimate 
actual <laughs> role in the outcome of the game. Uh, but the idea is the same. You're up there watching the game, not thinking you're going to be involved, and then you have to come down and get involved. Yeah. Well, I never knew that story. See, he's the quarterback of the show. <laughs> I, I'm just here. So, we're going on like that. I am very disappointed on this show right now because we got to talk about some terrible trades and some good trades. And I highlighted some trades in our notes that refer to our team's personal. So we're going to start off with that because we can go through every single trade from February 5th to the trade deadline, which was the 24th. So we can really break down. But I'm going to start with the St. Louis trade on February 18th. Uh, St. Louis acquired defenseman Marco Scandella from Montreal Canadiens for a 2022nd round pick and conditional uh, 2021 fourth round pick. Um, and that's what the Blues got for him. So, Lucas, because this is your team and I hate St. Louis <laughs> some most days, uh, how you feel about this trade? This is, you know, do you think this is a good trade or... Or is this the Blues going for it all this year again for a second? Well, it's a trade that had to happen after the Jay Bowmeister incident, a heart uh, issue that he had on a bench during the road trip that they were on. Once they lose him, somebody that they counted on, I mean, he was a, a valuable part of their defense core, their needs pivoted from trying to boost their scoring to we just have to have a veteran presence that can get in there and and play for us every night defensively and I think Scandella fits that role a second round pick and a fourth round pick I don't love giving up high draft picks but in a seller's market the Blues were going to have to give up something to get a legitimate player and that's okay and honestly, the Blues have really built a team that can handle losing a couple of draft picks definitely in the next year or two and still have that playoff mentality and that playoff run because you guys aren't really battling major salary cap issues for the next couple of years. So you don't really have many uh, high-end rookies like uh, a Hughes or you know a Kirby Doc or a... Uh, Capo Capo, whatever his first name is, freaking foreigners. I mean, Europeans. <laughs> uh, you don't have these bigger names coming in looking for that six, seven million dollar contract right off the third year entry level. You got a lot of guys who are veterans and a lot of guys who are there to win as a team. So, and about Jay Boymeister. Boy, Bowmeister. Bowmeister. I had it. J-Bo. J-Bo. I had his name this time. Uh, we. I definitely want to send my like love over to him and his family. That was crazy, and uh, you know, it's you know, it's only been a mul- few hand few people in the NHL who has er- ever collapsed on a bench like that. So he's doing health. He's getting healthy, and hopefully, we'll see him back in some professional hockey. But yeah. This trade, I feel like, was definitely a win for St. Louis because th- you were right. You lose J-Bo, and now you got to get another defenseman who can play those minutes, play that intensity, also has some of the veteran experience to push these younger guys, 
and really make a difference. And it and it hasn't slowed St. Louis down at all. So you lose a draft pick here and there, whatever. It's like, you know, you lose one next year and you the year after. It's not terrible. Yeah, and what ultimately may happen with those picks, the Blues do still have Jake Allen, who has been a good soldier for them and hasn't complained with Jordan Bennington being promoted and getting the majority of the starts that he used to have. But I think the Blues do feel fairly comfortable with what they have in terms of goalies. So maybe in the offseason they flip Jake Allen to somebody and try to get, if not a second-round pick, get another pick back for him. Well, 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 talking about goalies, and I didn't highlight, maybe I did highlight it in our notes, but I can still talk about it, and it really makes me want to puke in my mouth. Freaking Stan Bowman the Clown did it once (laughs) again. Mm, Try to keep this PG-13. Vegas Golden Knights got a huge goalie tangent. Yes, they do. Yeah, I I think that you would have to say if it was just about goaltending, Vegas made themselves the odds-on favorite to to win. And the nice thing is if they don't like Laner or Laner doesn't agree with, their camp doesn't agree with Vegas, all they're out is $5 for the rest of the season. So it's really not $5 It's a cup. Thing comes down to like three mil, two mil, or something like that. Right, the Blackhawks are paying yeah. part of the salary. Yeah, they already paid the first part of his year's salary. So Stan Bowman traded possibly one of the better goaltenders that Chicago can have long term. And this isn't a knock on Corey Crawford, and I said it in our last show. Corey's one injury away from retirement. If you really look at the big picture, if you sign Corey in the off season. For three three years at six million dollars, and he gets hurt. Well, yeah, you can throw him on long term IR, but at the same time, you're back in a, a a swirl of a mess trying to pick up a decent goaltender. So you get rid of Laner, who the news kind of screwed him, saying he won't take this discount, he won't do that. When really, yeah, he might have said that at first because he wants to get paid his fair share. He's had really great save percentage numbers throughout the season. So you're complaining that this guy, you know, might not take a hometown discount. Man, get out of here. The guy wanted to play for Chicago. He liked Chicago. You know, his family liked Chicago. And then Stan the Clown Bowman trades him away to Vegas, which made Vegas a dominant, a dom, their goalie tantrum a dominance in the Pacific. So, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible trade. I don't love Twitter, but if you want a little bit more of a way to figure out quickly what was going on with Leonard and the Blackhawks and their negotiations, uh, when the trade deadline day was happening, I followed Mark Lazarus. Uh, to see what the Blackhawks' view on it was. And he originally reported that, oh, Leonard might take less, and then Leonard responded that he wouldn't necessarily take less, but that he enjoyed his time and would have wanted to talk to the Blackhawks and see what they had to offer. So for people that want to get some insight into what was going on there, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, and honestly, I felt like that the Hawks, where they were sitting at, should have just held on the trade deadline this year not become buyer sellers or or even try to get picks 
But to just sit on the team they got, try to see if you can continue any success and maybe sneak in at the last minute, you know, win seven out of ten games every, you know, ten games to get into a possible wild card. Uh, The Calgary Frames got defenseman Eric Guffison in in exchange of a 2023 round pick. Honestly, if you held on to Guffson, let him quarterback some more of the power plays like he did last year, get the 60 to 80 points as a defenseman on a uh, sloping, you know, NHL team, you might have been able to get a good second or first rounder out of him. Well, that trade sort of indicates it's a good way to see the difference in philosophies of the two organizations. The Flames are slightly more in the race because the Pacific Division leader whichever, whoever it is on any given day. Right now it's uh, Vegas, but it's changed from, you know, game to game. It seems like they aren't quite as many points as the Blues or Avalanche or Stars. So the Flames have two pass into the playoffs, but uh, they didn't have that many more points than the Blackhawks at the deadline, and the Flames bought from the Blackhawks. It's disappointing with the Blackhawks' core that they didn't give them a better chance to make another run this year. Yeah, and this was a huge surprise losing uh, Leonard. Everyone knew Gustafson was on the way out. That You could tell in the last couple games he didn't go on the road trip to Dallas. He was healthy scratch, three games, didn't skate. So you knew he was getting dealt. Okay, not a big loss because of Gustafson. I'm not a huge Gustafson fan, but you know what? He has helped the Hawks in some games. And then the Hawks acquired defender T.J. Brennan from Philly. Uh, and changed for for Nathan Knoll, which was all AHL trait, more of an AHL deal, which they're looking at Brennan because Brennan, um, he plays for the University of Denver. He plays for University of Denver, uh, so that's got a connection with some other Blackhawks picks, and it's certainly a proud college hockey program. That was where Jim Montgomery came from. So you know that there's at least a tradition there of that school getting players ready for the NHL. He's not at uh, Alabama, Huntsville, or Arizona State or something yeah. like that. And honestly, that one really didn't bother me too much because I don't know much about Noel. And, uh, you know, if you can acquire some defensive players, go for it. So that that's our hometown, our team's drama and the last thing I'm going to say about the laner trip you got Subin okay he's a decent backup and nothing against him because he's pro and I'm an amateur when I play I won't even stand in front of a guy shooting a puck I have <laughs> no nah, no way bro but uh your brain is not broken in that way I think I think goalies brains are broken a little bit in that they're willing to stand there and get hit by 100 mile an hour goalies or more are sp- Special yes. goalies are special people. They really are. Kudos to them. I ain't getting in that. So as angry as you were with the Blackhawk trade, as an outside observer, the trade that made me really, really angry at this deadline, and maybe it makes you angry because of somebody that's down there, I'm so mad at the Florida Panthers and getting rid of Vincent Trocek. Screwing Joel Quinville over in the first year that he's down there. It looks like they have a team that's willing to, are going to compete for the playoffs. They're right behind Toronto in the playoff race. And then for 
maybe some flexibility at some point. They get rid of a guy that has been a contributor in past years and still should be, you know, is young enough that he should have the potential to be a good player for them in the future as well. When you're in Florida and you have a chance to be in the playoffs, go for it. Don't punt on your season. Yeah, I'm looking for that full trade. I know what you're saying. There's something that would change my change my mind a little bit about it, and I can't figure out who did ta- who did Florida. Oh, right here. Uh, well, it was to Carolina. Nope. That's another thing that bothers me. So that's a team that they're competing with in terms of trying yeah. to get that playoff spot. And they yeah. just they got Eric Halla and they got uh, Lucas Walmark, I believe is his name. So, so they're guys that you've heard they, of. They got Halla, and that's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, right here. Duh, right in front of my face. So you got Lucas Walmart and Eric Halla, who are great forwards. So I, it's, I get what they were doing, and they're doing it on a future salary cap, which I don't think they're screwing Quinville, all right? Everyone didn't expect Florida to be this good this year. They expected, and and me personally, I didn't think Florida was going to make the playoffs till next year or the year after. With Q, you know, give them some time to build up with what he has. They're, you know, they're doing better, and they play pretty good. Uh, this, I wasn't 100% for, and a lot of people on, like, NHL tonight, and a lot of people were kind of confused with this trade, too, on what Florida did with Hurricanes, but I think this is going to benefit the Hurricanes and Florida in the long run. Hurricanes are looking for a huge playoff push this year and to try to get to the finals. Torchek's going to give them that opportunity on the offense. It's going to help jumpstart a lot of these younger guys. Like Turvine and, and um, uh, Aho and stuff, and you know Eric Halla and Walmart, you know a different, you know you got two pretty good players at an affordable cost. So I think it's it, it, I think it will work for them. I think if they're looking at the two three year deal marks, or what are we going to do in the next two three years with these guys? Let's see if we can sign them or keep them on lower contracts and really build the Florida Panthers up with Joe Quinville, who has a phenomenal record, one of the best head coaches, definitely in the uh, from 2010 to 2020. You know, I think he was named what best head coach, uh, head coach of the decade. It yeah, could be. yeah, I could yeah, certainly I think, see him. Being, I think he yes. was or one of them and stuff. But yeah, I think it's not a bad trade. I think it has to play out, and if it plays out how I think the GMs were thinking this on both sides, both teams are going to benefit huge from this. Okay. You're a little more patient as a, with the Panthers than I would be. The other trade that Carolina made, they were a little bit more generous in my opinion. They traded uh, Skagey, one of their defenders, to or they got Skagey from the Rangers for a first-round pick. So, as you said, Carolina, they're a team trying to take advantage of their surge to the finals last year. When you're in a non-traditional market like Carolina, Florida, all of these southern markets, to me, when you have a chance to go for it, you've got to do it. And that's why, oh, yeah. in the article that I wrote, I, I said, Carolina got the trade deadline right, and I hated what Florida did, but I, I really think Carolina did good. 
And I think Florida's looking more at a long-term success like the Blackhawks had, where they won those three cups in six years and went to the playoffs nine years in a row. What They had like seven or eight uh, Western Conference Finals games or series. So, you know, I think Florida's looking at that. You know Q is having definitely some opinion on this right now. They're giving them a chance to build a team. So you just got to be patient with Florida. I think Florida you're going to see turn around. Uh, another trade that kind of surprised me. All right, was the Washington Capitals acquired forward Ilya Kovalchuk from the Montreal Canadiens in, in exchange for a 2020 third round draft pick. Yeah, I haven't seen them play, but I heard they were supposed to put Kovalchuk and Ovechkin together <laughs> on the power play. That makes sense to me. Because it had to do something with what Ovechkin shoots left and Kovachuk shoots right, and they're there's something with like how they're gonna set him up back door was what I heard. I don't know how much. Like I said, I haven't really watched much hockey since the trade deadline. I kind of boycotted Chicago for a little bit. I love my city. I'll support them and root for them, but f- until they fire Bowman, I kind of don't like them right now. Still a hardcore Blackhawks fan, by the way. You fans here are gonna probably tear my ass in your <laughs> so that was a weird one to me that was uh a little different i mean kovachuk's an older player he got back in the nhl which was a huge huge surprise uh i don't know i don't know how you feel about that one well so if it were any other team if it was just random team if it, or if it was the flyers or the canucks or someone like that making that trade and acquiring him, it would strike me as strange. Uh, you mentioned that their shots fit, and I think you just have to hope if you're Washington, you're gambling that his countrymen and really his peer from his country, Alex Ovechkin, is going to force and inspire Kovalchuk to play as best as he can with his mid-30s body and skill set at this point. And Kovachuk hasn't had a really bad season since he went to uh, Montreal from the Kings. So, honestly, Kovachuk's playing pretty good, you know, and I think you're right, you know, the inspiration from countrymen and all that stuff. And it's not a long deal with Kovachuk. I think it's what, he's a UFA this year? Right, at this point, it's just about winding down he may, as we often see with some of the players from Russia, they may decide they want to play their last couple of years back over in Russia, whether they have a contract in the NHL or not. Yeah, and honestly, freaking uh, Capitals only lost a third-round pick next year. Not a real big deal knowing that they're looking for a big push again in the playoffs. Uh, another one was the Colorado Avalanche acquired goalie Michael Hutchison from Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for defense Kelly Rosen. This one even got people in Toronto kind of like, what is Colorado thinking? Because Rosen's a pretty good defenseman, and Hutchison has been crap in that. Now, my opinion is maybe he needs a new scenery. A lot of players sometimes play better under a new system. That certainly could be the case. Uh, we also aren't in the locker room. It's possible maybe Rosen just wasn't 
getting along with players in Colorado or wasn't taking coaching well. Uh, with Hutchinson, you're you're taking a chance on a goalie, hoping that he's got some upside. He's not going to be the number one goalie. If he can come in and steal a few games for them, they'll take it. Uh, they believe that they have a long window with their core. It's a pretty young core at at worst you could say that it's a core that is already in its prime it may not have even reached its prime yet so they didn't feel they had to go out and make a blockbuster at the deal uh sort of in some ways similar to washington they took a gamble and hoped that a change of scenery in this case would pay off for hutchinson oh and the one trade too definitely want to talk about is the pittsburgh penguins trade uh with uh, San Jose, Marlou. Pittsburgh Penguins acquire uh, forward Patrick Marlou from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a conditional 2021 third-round draft pick. Marlou was talking about retiring with his Sharks this year, and they he might be playing with on Crosby's line, they're saying. Again, I haven't watched much games, so if that's going on right now, sweet. If not... I'm full of shit. I don't know, but that's impressed. That that was a trade that surprised me. That was uh, I think Pittsburgh did a. I mean, they didn't lose anything in that really third round pick. Most of your players go for the first and second. No, and you've picked out another trade where it's very comparable to what Washington did. Uh, Marlowe is a little bit older, a couple years older than. Um, Kovalchuk is, but he is a veteran. His skill is still there. He's certainly smart enough. I think that if he plays with Crosby, it may not necessarily be because of his uh, skill or his speed at this point, but he just is going to have those veteran instincts, and he's going to know where Crosby needs to be or where he needs to get Crosby the puck or really any of those talented players on a Penguins team. That's a Penguins team that was written off and is still very much in the hunt for the Metro Division crown. For Marlowe, it gives him a chance after a long suffering career with the Sharks. Now he's got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. The Penguins are certainly one of the favorites in the East. And definitely, or at least go real deep in the playoffs, even though San Jose had some success. But they suck this year. The Pacific, man, the West has been not good in the last two years. There's a lot of, you, you see parity hit harder in the West than yeah. in the East. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that can win, and then there are some teams that really tend to get beat up just because their talent is below average, and almost everyone else in the West is average or better. So a team like Anaheim, a team like the Kings, a team this year like the Sharks suffers because there's just no easy games for them. Yeah, and then uh, another trade from the Detroit Red Wings, Edmonton Oilers acquired defenseman Mike Green from the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings, <laughs> they suck. In exchange for forward Kyle Bozak and a conditional fourth-round draft pick. Uh, people were like, what is Eisman doing? Why are you trading a good defenseman? Why are you trading some of these older guys? Man, he's trying to, I think he's just trying to give him a chance to do something. 
Edmonton has a chance to make the playoffs. They're in the playoff hunt or in the playoffs currently, depending on if they win or lose each night and stuff. And I think it's not a bad trade. The Oilers also added uh, Andreas Athanasiu uh, at this trade line as well. And I think a lot of people viewed the Oilers as a real winner at this deadline because they made multiple deals. They got guys with skill and guys that should be motivated. When you're coming from Detroit, you were such a bad team. You had absolutely no hope. If you were even somewhat productive, going to a team that just by the standings should have a chance, and then when you consider... You're playing with a couple of the best players in the game in McDavid and Dreisaitl. The guys that the Oilers brought in at the trade deadline really should be motivated to step their game up and help that team. Oh, of course. I think they're going to they'll, they'll play good. I think Edmonton's definitely going to make a good run. I think they're going to be a surprise for that. So I think the winners this year would be Edmonton and Carolina. Losers is definitely the Hawks. Stan Bowman. Um, I'll give you one more winner, and I'll give you a winner as a seller. I tried to look for a, a winner as a buyer and a winner as a seller. My winner as a seller was the uh, San Jose Sharks. I think they did good by Marlowe by trading him out, and they'll get a little bit younger even if it is a third-round pick. They got a first-round pick from Tampa Bay for Barclay Goodrow, and I think everyone agrees that's the massive overpay of the deadline. Not only did they they get a first-round pick from that, they also got another random filler forward in Anthony Greco who will just be in their system, and maybe he becomes something at some point. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, But the Sharks made a couple of different moves at the deadline as sellers that should accelerate their rebuild. Yeah, I'll I'll give that. Yeah, I wasn't paying too much to Pacific this year. I was just very shocked by the. Uh, once you once the Hawks news came uh, in for you, it kind of I kind of stopped turned caring. you off from the rest of the deadline. Well, that's understandable, yeah. but it's probably something. Hopefully, the Blackhawks organization is paying attention to the disappointment that their fan base is feeling. Oh, yeah. And I say Pittsburgh made some good moves. And Oh, Vegas definitely was a winner this year because they got Alec Martinez, scored a goal. They got Cousins, scored a goal in his first two games. And you got Laner. They're definitely the winners for being buyers. And, yeah, if you look, it might screw them in the next year or two if they do lose a lot of players. But I think, I, I really think they won. So uh, the question that I wrote to you when we were talking about our notes is, what did this trade deadline really mean? Did it change your opinion of any of these teams that were trying to win? And when you say Vegas, I think that's probably the only team who, when I come away from the deadline, yeah, you can look at guys and teams and they took some chances on guys to get better. 
Vegas would be the team that if I had to say my opinion really changed and I really think they have a much better shot now because of what they did at the deadline, Vegas would be that team. Oh, yeah, Vegas 100%. So let's move on to our next category real quick. Um, I'm going to go with Ovechkin hit 700 goals. A really a great accomplishment for him. We talked about already he is a guy that should get some boost from the trade deadline. Uh, when you look at his career, he's the second youngest player to do it, and he's one of seven players to hit that milestone. Wayne Gretzky obviously did it. He leads with 894, but some other names on that list are Gordie Howe, Yarmir Yager, Brett Hull, Phyllis Pizzito. I mean, when you think of hockey greats, the 700 goal club, they're all hockey greats. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And Ovechkin's huge up there. He's a phenomenal goal scorer. And Gretzky said he's on his way to 800. And you know what? I think Ovechkin can hit 800. Well, the reason that you would do this, I was thinking about this today uh, when trying to put his career into perspective you have such better training so much better uh, ability to stay healthy and to keep your career going longer so that's why even though his team has not necessarily always achieved as much as they might he's been able to have this great individual career because he does take care of himself and he is such a smart player yeah, it would not surprise me. And at his pace, he probably only has to go another three years, maybe four years if he has a down year to get there. I say two to three seasons. And sorry for the ding, everyone. You know, my phone's connected to my computer, so it makes noise. So if you heard that, which usually you probably will, uh, if not, cool. But um, I think Ovechkin is definitely... um can make 800 in two to three seasons easily. I mean, he's an average 50 goal scorer, 45, 50 goals a season, and he's not done this year. It's not like at 700 of the last game. He still has, what, 15? 25 other games to go. Yeah, so. 20, 25, 15, 25 games, somewhere between there to go left, and he still is going. It's like Kane. Kane hits 1,000 points this year. He's a phenomenal player on a shitty roster because Bowman screwed that up too, and he's still producing. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting. You're right. I think if you get another 10 goals in this next, in the rest of the season, he could get even more than that. Yeah, then you're probably down to two seasons for him to get to 800 and he's got Ovechkin like you said uh, as opposed to Kane he's got enough players around him that you can't game plan and just try to prevent him from scoring so that will certainly help in his pursuit for 800 and then Islanders are going back to Long Island we all knew that was coming um yeah you know the reason that I put that on there is something it's just it's exciting. Con- well, and consider consider New York, how wild that is. They built Barclays Center for the Nets and the Islanders less than five years ago, and 
Islanders fans were so wild about wanting the team to go back there to Long Island. They, they were playing in a really disappointing arena in Nassau Coliseum. I mean, they insisted that playoff games be played there even. So oh, now yeah. they're going to get a, a what should be a beautiful new stadium. Yeah, it's good for them. I mean, Long Island deserves it, man. I mean, when they moved them to what, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, yes. Yeah, Brooklyn. I was like, that's stupid. Just change it to the Brooklyn Islanders, not freaking New York. Um, nah, man, they definitely deserve to be in Long Island. That's where they are. That's where they should be. That's where they should have stayed. Uh, and then this is an actually huge report. If you're looking at in-the-system players, and uh, and this is a big subject, and I see you put a lot of notes on this, and this is huge. Um the Golden Knights got approved from the NHL to buy the AHL San Antonio Rampage and relocate it back to Vegas. Yes, so the Golden Knights and Blues and Rampage and Wolves and that whole saga all kind of continues on when the Golden Knights were first looking for a AHL franchise as they were coming in. They partnered with the Blues and the Wolves, and the two split the team for a while. And then the Blues became affiliated with the Rampage. The Golden Knights had a five-year deal with the Wolves to be their exclusive NHL partner. That's getting dissolved and there were a lot of hard feelings between the wolves and the blues when all of that went down there was talk about how much the teams wanted to win and things like that so it doesn't seem like that partnership is going to get back together at any time soon so i i think the blues and the wolves will be back they were originally together and I think they'll get back again. And and it it's very hard for it was very hard for the Blues and it was very hard for Vegas to pull those guys up and put them down and pull them back up. You know, as a player, they didn't know who to play for. Like, okay, I'm on the Blues, sweet. All right, no, I'm on Vegas next week. Like, what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, and definitely if they play together, it's like, well, which team am I really trying to impress? No. Right. You don't want to have to have. Two different, and the biggest the biggest problem with that is the goalies. Oh yeah, because you want when you're in the HL, you want your goalie to get as many reps as possible. And when you're the coach of a AHL team trying to juggle between keeping the Golden Knights and the Blues happy, it's a a difficult uh, act to try to manage. Um, the Blues, previous to the Wolves, had. Peoria is their affiliate. Peoria folded. I, the reason that I would think it would make sense for Chicago and St. Louis to get back together is, you know, this note that I've got here that and regarding Chicago and Vegas. Chicago didn't want to move their team. The Wolves have been such an established franchise. And they were more popular than the Blackhawks in the 90s and early 2000s. Certainly when I was growing up. But for Chicago to Vegas, it's a 1,750-mile trip. It's the second longest between, 
the AHL and the parent club. The only other one is one that I've never really understood. That's the Canucks having their affiliate in Utica, New York. Um, so we've seen teams with the California division, we've seen all those Pacific division teams start to have their affiliates closer. That's what Vegas is doing. And, you know, I think it was right for the NHL to approve this. And um, I think it where it works, you know. Your guy gets – a couple players get hurt. Your goalie gets hurt in practice. Now you got to fly him on a four, four-and-a-half-hour flight. He might not make the game. Exactly. That's that's really what it is. You can, you can train even together in the same facility. Some teams do things like that. That's what San Jose does with their – uh, AHL affiliate, it's all right in the same building. So that makes sense. And Vegas will have that opportunity moving their team uh, to the suburbs of Las Vegas. I did think it was funny when I was reading the Las Vegas Journal review, they announced the name of the arena is going to be Lifeguard Arena. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure it's some kind of insurance company or some kind of oh, sure. you know something it's like so that. Funny. However, yes, it does. It strikes me that's got to be one of the one of the best. Should have been AT T Arena or it something is. like that. Yeah, T Mobile Arena and then or Sprint. That would have been good because they just combined. Um, also, Bobby Ryan, welcome back to the NHL. Man scores his hat trick his fifth five goals four goals four goals in his 2019-2020 season uh for you who might not know Bobby Ryan's history this year he was um after a week of I think yeah it was a week playing in the NHL this year he went into a assistant program alcohol addiction uh, rehab program rehab in November uh, he had really bad alcohol issues that he had to be actually inpatient and thank you the NHL the NHL PA and the Ottawa Senators really you know stuck with Bobby Ryan and got him the help he needed and uh, he struggled he had one goal in his first 21 games uh, he was forced to be scratched five times, and you're talking a man who has this 7.25 million AAV with two years left, and you have a coach scratching a very good player too. He is phenomenal on a team that lacks many other very good players. It's not as if it was something that the he's Senators a could otherwise afford to do. Yeah, he's a superstar. So with that. He had an alcohol problem. They got him in rehab. They got him taken care of. He got back on the ice, started skating, and his first game back with Ottawa in Ottawa scores a hat trick. So my hats completely go off to Bobby Ryan, just not on accomplishing something that's very hard to kick, you know, if it's alcohol, drugs, uh, whatever it is, you know, you're addicted to or you have issues controlling so I'm really, you know, that was really awesome to see. They very help, you know, heartwarming when they were screaming his name in the, you know, in Ottawa and stuff. He had tears in his eyes, thanking everyone after his hat trick. 
you know, as long as he stays on the Ford March and, and stays clean and, you know, is able to, you know, have a drink and not have a problem with drinking, my hats go off to this guy, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad that he was able to get back to playing and get over his addiction. Uh, the thing that also stuck out to me, and I, I think we want to credit the league and credit the Players Association in NHL for having an assistance problem and for being able to work with a player rather than just demonizing someone for their struggles. The league and the Players Association give us plenty of things to be upset with them about uh, throughout the year and throughout the offseason. But when they do have something good like this that works and you can see the great results of it, Let's give them a pat on the back for having that set up as well. And also, um, you know, you saw it with Patrick Kane with Chicago. You saw it with Evander Kane with San Jose, helping him out with some of his problems when he came over from Winnipeg. You're seeing Winnipeg with Buffalo with mental health issues. Um, I'm sure there's other players that I just don't have the name off the top of my head right now. But for the NHL and the PA and and the teams to really help these guys out and get them the help they need instead of kicking them to the street and be like, well, good luck, bud. You screwed your own career. To help them get on that relapse or get off that relapse or get off that addiction or or help them tame it at least. Um, It's really cool to see that the NHL did that. I agree. So, uh, for our last topic, one thing that has been going on, or a couple things that have been going on throughout the sports world, we're seeing sports try to get new and innovative or just get people's attention back. So, the XFL's been letting people see inside replay reviews. That's one of the things that people like about them. Uh, MLB, and it got Trevor Bauer and a bunch of baseball purists all angry but they talked about maybe letting teams pick their opponent in the playoffs uh the nba is talking about having an in-season tournament do any of these sound like things that you might be interested in the nhl doing or do you have your own different rule like how you would make the nhl better or more interesting well we'll get on this subject next time the playoff picture kind of wild card We'll get on that subject because I have good to say about it. I don't have bad to say so about you got it. Something you're so so I got a little bit of that. Uh, I think what I think what could be cool, maybe could be cool, uh, is watching the guys in the you know in Toronto in the replay room making those decisions and watching them really like investigate like have a camera over once in a while and just be like yeah this you know just understand what the guy these guys are actually doing and how much pressure is on these guys i think that would be cool um i love when the refs are mic'd up those that's funny yes. so i mean yeah i think there's something that everyone can always improve me personally i don't know off the top of my head i think it would be cool to see inside the you know toronto and and see what's going on in the war room and uh kind of just you know 
I'm not a big XFL fan, but I think that that's the one that's most practical, and that's the the idea that you may see a lot of different sports leagues get involved with. Think about it. Even if the NHL only did it for the playoffs, think of how much better and how much more important it would make the game. Wouldn't it have been interesting... Think back to the Sharks and Golden Knights last year with the diving that resulted in the major penalty or the Blues and Stars when Ben Bishop got hit and the Blues scored the goal. Wouldn't you like to know what the officials were talking about so at least then we would be able to have a more informed discussion and maybe have controversy at some point as well? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, and I think it would help understand people who are getting involved with the game more, help them understand what goes on and like, and really understand the thinking because everyone sees it differently. As I talked to one of my friends, he's a ref, he refs uh, in, in Iowa City and stuff in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What a player sees is completely different than what the ref sees. What the ref sees is completely different than what a fan sees. What the fan sees does not see what we're seeing on the ice half the time. Half the time, the ref doesn't see a lot of this stuff, or if they do, they see they have to kind of see into the future and how this is going to happen, definitely with penalties. Yeah, did Vegas get screwed last year against San Jose? Of course, that was not a five-minute major. That was such a dive, such bull crap. What the Vegas failed, they let up, what, four goals and five shots or something exactly. like that? They, they sucked on the fi- on the penalty kill, which made them essentially lose the game. Now, again, things could have changed if it was just a two-minute or a double minor. Could, you know, that's two quick goals instead of four. Is Vegas to blame for how bad they were playing that game? Yes. Is the NHL in sh- to blame for that kind of call? Yes. Those refs were terrible last year. They were terrible through the first game of the playoffs to the last game in the Stanley Cup. So, yeah. I think that the NHL and any league that's trying to increase its viewership, but especially the NHL because it's not as if every single kid grows up even playing you know, street hockey or floor hockey. So you have a lot of viewers that don't know the rules all that well. And so if they were to let fans hear what the league and what the referees were talking about when they were making calls, because the color commentators can do their best and you can bring in a former official to try to explain it as well as an extra analyst. But yeah, it's like you said, when you don't hear the decision, the reasoning behind the decision directly from the people that are making it, it can lead to confusion and anger and turning off fans. And so I think that this rule it would be one that would really benefit the NHL. I think so. And like I said, it would be more in a playoff environment because there's 82 games in the season. Yes. So you don't want to add more time and less money kind of deal. So, yeah, I see that. Um, Yeah, I think that 
pretty much wraps up our show. We were kind of afraid that it was only be like a 20-minute show. But uh, about an hour. I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, we recorded this in my parents' music studio. So that's our spot right now. I also would like to thank Lucas for getting a lot of the information and the NHL Network for reading the trade deadlines, news, and CBS for some articles that read that help us give our opinion. Uh, we do not own any rights to the music, to our intro, or any videos that is played. Uh, what else? Do we Last get? thing that I'll say is just I know we do these shows monthly uh, i but we do talk during the month and so a new thing that i've started to do and you can keep up with us this way and get some of our opinions is uh follow clacker sports it's a wordpress blog i have started writing some nhl columns on there it's actually a interesting group of people it's people that for the most part we went to school with and you'll get people talking about gambling you've got baseball experts basketball experts on there as well um so you have all kinds of sports that you can read about and a way to keep up with our show when we're not talking to you yeah i'm definitely check them out that's clacker clacker sports clacker uh, sports and wordpress yes um yeah, definitely. I'm going to go check it out. Um, so check it out. Enjoy. If you like other sports, look it up. You know, highly recommend, you know, podcasts, listen to anyone, really. Um, yeah, next. I think we're good for Yeah, I think. Yeah, next month uh, we'll talk about big playoff pushes. Yes. Uh, the way the playoff system works. And how we agree, disagree. And Maybe what kind of changes. Uh, and then whatever big news that hits, the NHL. So, all right, that's all. Hey, have a good one, everyone. Stay safe. All right.